can I add to uh, Ollie's welcome at the start? And if you're a visitor here, uh, we make you especially uh, welcome. Who do you think you are? Have you ever seen the program on television? When celebrities get the opportunity to trace back into their past and see if there were any renowned or notorious characters, well, that makes for better TV, if there is. For most people, there is a desire to know where they have come from. Most of us know our grandparents, but few can go further back than that. In more recent times, the internet applications like Ancestry.com have become popular, and it was recently sold for almost $5 billion. There is even now Ancestry.DNA, which tests your saliva and it claims it can connect you to the places in the world where your story started. And you might even discover living relatives. Millions of people have uncovered something new, and you can too. I'm indebted to a cousin of my dad who lives in County Tipperary and has spent many hours investigating the Cullen family tree and it looks a little like this. Some quite distinguished looking faces in the middle and a few Johns going back to the middle of the 1700s. This family tree has now over 9,000 connected individuals and I've even been able to make contact with another Richard Cullen, an engineer who lives in New Zealand. But no matter how far you can trace back or how interesting it is to find out about your ancestors, no one in the past generations would ever have been expecting or anticipating that you or I were going to be, the, to be born. But tonight I want to ask you a much more important question. Who do you think Jesus is. You may have been taken aback by most of our readings this evening, as they are not particularly associated with the normal carol service. My thanks to those who have read those passages for us. But each one is very significant in relation to the birth of the Lord Jesus. From the beginning of time, it was foretold that he would be the long-awaited Messiah, the promised King. Jewish children would have been taught the prophecies of the Old Testament, which we have read tonight concerning the coming of the Messiah. There would have been anticipation and expectancy in Jewish families that one day the prophecies would be fulfilled and the promised king would come. Matthew, as he records the nativity story, goes straight to the journey made by the Magi or the wise men from the east. They had seen a star rising in the sky and had come to find the one born king of the Jews. They traveled from afar to worship him. Herod, in contrast, was alarmed at the announcement of a new king. He was notorious for killing anyone who challenged his authority. He gathered the Jewish leaders to get them to examine the scriptures to find where this promised king would be born. Bethlehem in Judea, as prophesied in the Old Testament book of Micah. He wanted to find this new king, not to worship him, 
but to kill him. The gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh prepared and presented to Jesus by these travelers were not what you would expect to have given to a new baby. But then again, this wasn't an ordinary baby. This was the one who had been promised for many centuries. Gold was the currency of kings. The gift of gold speaks of Jesus' kingship. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords, the most high God and sovereign over all. The gift of frankincense speaks of Jesus as our high priest, <clears throat> the one true mediator between God and men. Myrrh speaks of Jesus' death, foretelling, foretelling that he would become the perfect atoning sacrifice offered up for the sins of the world. When Matthew started his gospel account, the first chapter is a long list of names. You'll be glad I'm not going to go through each one. The opening verse states, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham, a Jew, the son of David, a king. Our readings in Genesis mentioned the promise offspring of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. Our readings in 2 Samuel talked about the house of David that would last forever, <clears throat> a promised king for all nations. In Matthew's list of names, there are many kings listed after David. But the last one you can see in red, hopefully on the screen, is a man, a king called Jeconiah. <clears throat> he was the last one. There were no kings of Israel after him. Had God broken his promise to David when the Israelites were taken into exile in Babylon? No. Centuries later, a son of David was born in Bethlehem. His name was Jesus, the ultimate king the people were desperately waiting for. But his reign was different from what they expected. <clears throat> they expected the promised king to overthrow the Roman authorities and free their nation. But careful examination of the prophecies that we have read tonight point to an offspring, a promised king through whom all nations would be blessed. <clears throat> In our final reading, we saw the Lord Jesus before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who ruled in Israel. John records for us the interaction between this ruler and the promised king. Pilate couldn't find any fault in the Lord Jesus. He was perplexed about whether he was a king. Just to repeat the words that we've read earlier. <clears throat> So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not have been delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not 
from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, and for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? However, Pilate tried to release the Lord Jesus by bringing him out and announcing, Behold your king. But we hear those chilling words of the Jewish leaders as they replied, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. The son of Abraham, the son of David, had been rejected by the ones who longed for the promised king. Had God broken his promise again as the Lord Jesus was killed on a Roman cross? If this was the demise of the promised king, then all hope was gone. The kingdom was over, but thankfully that was not the end. An early Christian hymn written by the Apostle Paul states this when he considered the Lord Jesus Christ. He said these words, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His kingdom is like no kingdom this world has ever seen. It crosses all boundaries, political, social, religious, and it is not limited by time or by death. There is an invitation for everyone. In the first chapter of John's Gospel, he writes, Yet to all who, receive, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If you trust him for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, and you're made right with the living God, not on account of any merit that any of us have, but solely because of his death in our place, then you are welcomed into his eternal kingdom. And now we who believe in him wait with anticipation and expectancy for his second coming, and this time as the victorious king of all kings. The question I want you to consider this Christmas time is one that only you can answer. Is he your king?